From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today, we're talking about what life is like after a traumatic brain injury with two experts from Upstate's Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio are Lauren Westby, a speech-language pathologist and certified brain injury specialist, and, jo- and Dr. Joanne Scandelli, who is certified rehabilitation counselor and certified brain injury trainer. Dr. Scandelli is also the president of the Brain Injury Coalition of Central New York. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, both of you. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Let's start with an explanation of how many people are affected by traumatic brain injury, or TBI. How common is this? It's far more common than people uh, generally imagine. A brain injury takes place in the United States every nine seconds. So one out of 60 people in the United States lives with a TBI-related disability. That's about 5.3 million Americans, or 2% of the country's population. So, our, thank you, Dr. Scandelli. Are, are TBIs always caused by an injury, or can it be from an illness? So, acquired brain injury is actually an umbrella term. Um, it encompasses all different types of brain injury, whereas traumatic brain injury is a subset of acquired oh. brain injury. Um, so, it's caused by a trauma from the brain from an external source. Okay. So is it always apparent that someone has a TBI at the time of an injury? Not at all. Um, TBI doesn't necessarily show up uh, in the case of concussion, for instance, on uh, typical radiologic uh, tests. Um, So a person could have a brain injury, suffer the sequelae of brain injury or its functional uh, impact, and not even be able to say, look, I have evidence, I have a brain injury. It remains a silent epidemic. It's something that a lot of people deal with, and you can't really see a lot of the consequences of brain injury uh, just from looking at somebody. So you mentioned concussion. I was going to ask, what is the difference between traumatic brain injury and concussion? A concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury. And then traumatic brain injury would be more significant. Um, It's typically that we um, rate brain injury as mild, moderate, and severe. Um, And that has to do with the length of time someone uh, is in a coma um, and uh, different kinds of uh, scales and their scores on those rating scales. Can we talk about the signs and symptoms? Sure. so when after a brain injury, uh, a lot of people deal with things like reduced energy and motivation. Uh, they can have long-lasting impacts of headaches and fatigue. Um, a lot of people who have had a brain injury will complain of poor attention and concentration, and memory is actually one of the most common cognitive impairments that people have after brain injury. Um, there can be irritability and mood disturbances, personality changes, sleep uh, impacts to return to work and driving are, are usually a consequence of all of these symptoms um, that they deal with. Uh, it's very hard for them to return to driving and to work because of these cognitive skills that have changed. So conceivably, someone could fall, uh, slip on the ice, yeah. common in central New York, hit their head, not realize that they've got a serious injury, and then start experiencing some of the symptoms you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes, predominantly people could um, have headache, 
uh, a visual impact as well, um, perhaps some ringing in the ears, insomnia. Um, so there are uh, uh, more subtle kinds of signs that perhaps someone has acquired a brain injury. And a lot of people don't always associate the, those with brain injury, and so a lot of people don't seek help. How is it diagnosed? If you, if you come to the emergency room um, saying that you've you know, got headaches and trouble remembering and that you fell a few days ago, how do they go about diagnosing that, oh, you've got a traumatic brain injury? So usually that would fall on the physician to diagnose. Uh, they usually do a CT uh, that will show frank bleeding. An and, imaging yep. of the brain. And then an MRI uh, will sometimes show those white matter changes that we sometimes oh. see. But concussion and mild traumatic brain injury, those aren't always evident on imaging. So what is the treatment for TBI? Um, it depends on how it affects each individual. Each brain is unique as each person is. So uh, when someone presents, um, a person is going to take uh, their history, they're going to take a look at their um, symptoms, and then um, make some sort of recommendations. So a person could see an occupational therapist, a physical therapist, a speech-language pathologist, all depending on their needs. Especially uh, in our department, we have um, physiatrists who are experts in uh, brain injury rehabilitation, um, and uh, they see a lot of people in our community who uh, have different symptoms. And as well, we have the concussion um, clinic and program. So I know it's very individualized, but in terms of recovery, is there any way to project how long it's going to take an individual person to recover? Typically, they say that the most recovery is going to take place within the first one to two years. After that, um, recovery seems to slow down. But as the person's able to expose themselves to different situations in the community, um, hopefully there are uh, chances for them to learn and grow further. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Joanne Scandelli and Lauren Westby from the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate. Dr. Scandelli is a rehabilitation counselor, and Lauren Westby is a speech pathologist. I'd like to talk with you about the functional impact of traumatic brain injury and how it affects daily life. So what are the typical deficits for someone after a TBI? So a lot of people who have had a TBI will experience um, a lot of uh, attention and concentration, cognitive impairments, um, memory impairments. Um, they can be irritable or have difficulties with impulse control or behavior. Um, and so these are people that really do need to follow up um, out, you know, with an outpatient therapist, uh, OT, PT, speech therapy, people that specialize in, in brain injury. Does the actual impact of where the injury is in the brain determine what sorts of symptoms they're going to end up dealing with? Yes, and every brain is different. So the same injury could affect a person uh, differently. Same thing with um, gender. It has certain kinds of impact as well, uh, both in uh, concussion uh, and um, traumatic brain injury. Um, so the impact of the brain and where it affects each, the brain is divided into lobes. Um, and 
each area has a different function. So if someone were injured in, let's say, the parietal region of the brain, we would know that they might have some difficulty with sensory input. Um, they might have uh, difficulty with um, some memory if their injury is also going into the temporal lobe area. Um, so there are functions that are related to specific areas of the brain. Um, and we may want to use what's called a neuropsychiatric, neuropsychological evaluation to help determine um, what areas of the brain are impacted if, in fact, there aren't radiologic kinds of evidence. The, do TBIs necessarily affect a person's personality? They can. They can. Yeah. Is it a permanent the, change? It can be sometimes. The frontal lobe um, is actually where our personality centers are located, at least some of them. And the, the frontal lobe and the temporal lobe are the ones that are most predominantly injured in traumatic brain injury just because of where they sit in the brain um, or in the skull. I'm sorry. Uh, so typically we do see personality changes in brain injury. How do you go about communicating with a patient whose injuries may have impacted their ability to understand or communicate? So uh, these people typically do follow up with a speech-language pathologist. We do extensive evaluations and treatment. Um, we look at all of the modalities of language. Uh, language is, encompasses understanding language, being able to express language, as well as reading and writing. Um, and we, we try and maximize whatever modality of language is uh, essentially the most functional for them so that they can effectively communicate with their family and their friends. It sounds like that could be challenging. It is, too. Well, uh, let me ask you this. What are some of the most common misconceptions that you hear about working as you do with this population? Sure. Do, you, do you encounter um, family members that come in and, and have misconceptions about what's happening? Absolutely. So um, there's actually a lot of misconceptions about brain injury, uh, one being that mild traumatic brain injury and concussion are not serious. Um, and they certainly can have long-lasting impacts, um, more so than we, we sometimes give it credit for. Cognitive and behavioral changes as well as personality changes make a big difference. Um, uh, a lot of times we hear, well, I didn't lose consciousness. Um, that is just one indicator of a brain injury, but there's other indicators. Uh, they don't remember the event or if there's something on imaging, those are also indicators of a brain injury. Um, you don't actually have to strike your head on anything to suffer a brain injury. Your skull is hard, and so just your brain hitting into your skull can cause a brain injury as well. Um, so you could be like in a car accident, and not, you're not yeah. physically your head doesn't seem to hit nope. something, but the force yes. does enough damage. And Absolutely. one very common misconception is in children. And unfortunately, the, the long-standing myth for children is that they make a better recovery. And a lot of times we see a faster and a quicker recovery after brain injury, but the long-standing cognitive impairments we often see much later in life. They tend to be what we call growing into a brain injury. Now, you mentioned earlier physiatrist, and that's a, another member of the team that patients may um, see if they end up uh, in, the in the rehabilitation unit. Can you explain what a physiatrist is, and then can we list some of the other members of the team? Certainly. 
A physiatrist is a doctor of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Um, on our team, um, we have physiatrists who are also specialized in the area of brain injury. So they um, are they are medical doctors, they, and then they specialized on top of that in physical medicine and rehabilitation. Yes. Okay. Um, also, we have occupational therapists. We have nurses. Um, we have some certified rehabilitation nurses. Um, we have uh, physical therapists, speech-language pathologists, recreation therapists. Um, myself, um, as a rehabilitation counselor, also takes a look at the vocational and uh, social kinds of issues a person faces as they um, reintegrate into the community. Now, both of you are certified brain injury specialists. What did it take? That's on top of your training to become a speech pathologist. So what did, what did you do to become you know, specialized? The um, American Academy of Brain Injury Specialists offers a certification um, to show that we have an interest in making a good foundation in the education of individuals who provide services for people with traumatic brain injury. And um, you have to have a minimum of 500 hours of working directly with someone with a brain injury and their family. Um, you have to already have been um, certified in some other area. And then we uh, train them through the curriculum. Um, I, as the trainer, uh, go through the curriculum with them. Then they sit for an examination and uh, hopefully pass, and then they earn their certification. Well, before we go, let me ask you, are there preventive steps that you see that people could have taken to avoid the head injuries that, that lead to traumatic brain injury? In some instances, yes. I mean, it was a big um, uh, initiative by the Brain Injury Association, both national and of New York, to do the helmets for the sports, um, helmets for bicycle riding, wearing the seatbelt laws, all those were initiatives from um, the Brain Injury Association of America. Um, so that, that, that's pretty uh, clear, you know. Be careful not to fall. Um, people that are older, uh, myself and older, uh, tend to have falls. That's a leading cause of brain injury. Um, so make your home safe, uh, avoid having uh, electrical cords running across your path and things like that, scatter rugs, things to be careful of when you set up your home um, for someone who's older or someone who's younger. Um, well, good advice. Well, thank you so much both to Dr. Joanne Scandelli and Lauren Westby from the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.